Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi, welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland, psychoanalyst, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take control of your life, and feel good in your body all without dieting, spending hours in the gym, or counting a single macro. Today's topic is how to stop eating when you're bored. Do you head for the kitchen whenever you're bored? Maybe you try to resist temptation, but no matter how much willpower you use, you feel inexplicably pulled to the kitchen as if drawn by a powerful magnet, like the Millennium Falcon drawn toward the Death Star in the first Star Wars movie, resistance is futile. Or is it futile? I don't know. Maybe it's both. You get the idea. Anyway, before you know it, there's an empty box of your favorite snack and you're scrounging for what to eat next. And as you do so, you are filled with regret and self-loathing. You feel like you just can't stop eating. Well, today, I am going to show you how to stop eating when you're bored so you can not only stay out of the kitchen, but also live without that those constant food thoughts. Sometimes we don't just want to stop binging and lose weight. We want to lose those thoughts as well. So here's the thing about boredom. We live in a busy society and many of us have to-do lists that seem like they are never going to end. We are so preoccupied with tasks, we don't have time to think about something other than what we are doing. And we're doing a lot. But when we finally stop being so busy, we may feel restless. We may feel bored. And that's when we head for the kitchen or the drive-thru or order something through an app. Now, there may be deeper meanings. Well, maybe. Let me just actually correct myself. Often, there are deeper meanings behind what we label as boredom. Bored, the state of being bored, means being weary or uninterested in a, a current activity or situation. And this often happens when we're not engaged by our environment or when we're not doing something we find interesting, when we're in a situation that makes us feel unsatisfied or restless. Boredom can be temporary, like waiting in a long line or sitting through a boring lecture or it can be more pervasive and affects our overall mood and we feel it a lot. So when we say we're bored, again, this can be an umbrella term for something else. Here are some possibilities. One is avoidance of discomfort. We use boredom to avoid experiencing uncomfortable feelings, thoughts, or situations. So instead of consciously recognizing that we're upset, we're sad, we're anxious, we're depressed, we convert all of those emotions or conflicts or states into what we describe as boredom. Another is feeling unchallenged. If you feel bored, maybe you actually just feel unchallenged. If you're not mentally stimulated or challenged, we, we, we sometimes describe that as boredom. And in this case, feeling bored actually means craving something more intellectually or creatively engaging. Boredom can also really be a sign of burnout or depression. 
persistent boredom, especially when we feel a lack of interest in things that used to bring us joy, that can actually signify depression or burnout. We call it boredom, but we're really depressed. We call it boredom or we're really burned out or both. It can also mean lack of purpose. So feeling bored can reflect a more profound feeling of feeling unfulfilled or lacking direction in your life. And this sense of emptiness can often be experienced, again, as boredom. So as you can see, boredom is um, a term that can mean a lot of things. Here's another one. Difficulty expressing emotions. It can be shorthand for other emotions, as I said before, or more of them, loneliness, regret, other feelings that are unpleasant or threatening. And even though boredom, the meaning of boredom varies from person to person, if you're persistently bored and you find yourself turning to food when you are bored, consider what lies beneath that boredom. By addressing the underlying reasons for these boredom binges, we eliminate the behavior. Now, let me give you an example. Let me tell you about Hannah. So Hannah initially believed she was eating out of boredom. She's a professional woman. She's busy all the time. She lives alone with her rescue dog, a chihuahua named Peanut. Um, and she, she had a demanding job, supportive friends, and her hobby was watching Formula One racing. <laughs> Hannah's a pretty cool woman. Um, but she was uh, really upset with herself because she, she was constantly snacking at night. And she said, I know I'm eating because I'm bored. How do I stop? Nothing is working. Ooh. She was really frustrated. Now, the key to resolving boredom is to do something that's interesting and occupies your mind and your time. And Hannah had lots of things to do, lots of things to occupy herself, but she always felt this restlessness that was only eased by snacking. So when we explored her quote unquote boredom in more depth, we we realized that Hannah not only like like she she not only didn't feel bored during the day, she only ate out of boredom at night. And often after spending time with a married couple who were her closest friends who she'd see like once a week or talk to often. And she realized that she felt a yearning for a romantic relationship that she had suppressed by telling herself she didn't need anyone else to live a fulfilling and happy life. Hannah was proud of her independence. She didn't want to admit, and that's the word she used, I don't want to admit that I actually want someone. She didn't want to admit that she wanted a partner. For her, it was an admission, like something to feel guilty about or bad. She thought she ought to feel satisfied with her own company and she thought that having a dog and having a great job should be enough and that wanting a relationship somehow compromised her. She did not consider the idea of interdependence. For her, wanting a relationship felt very needy and dependent. Interdependence means balancing self-sufficiency with connection and, and collaboration, really. So this wish for connection was uncomfortable for her and Hannah had kept it out of her conscious awareness by labeling it as boredom and eating as a way of, one, distracting herself from these thoughts, and two, symbolically filling the void of loneliness. There was an empty space 
inside her when she considered what she didn't have in her life. And realizing that she was equating loneliness with boredom was a real turning point for her. So she she learned to lean into those feelings instead of avoiding them. She started acknowledging her wishes instead of like judging them. And she started responding differently to herself when she was alone and these thoughts and feelings came up. And so as she addressed her loneliness, Hannah reduced this habit of eating when she was bored. As you can see, eating while bored can hide the actual problem. In Hannah's case, she was eating as a distraction from loneliness. For other people, eating when you're bored, that can have many, many different meanings, as was the case. I'm going to give you another example, as was the case with Laura. She's a working mom who also ate when she was bored, and she was bored a lot. So she's a working mom, like I said, and she managed a very busy schedule. She juggled a demanding job with taking care of three children. And she was constantly on the go from the moment she woke up in the morning until her children were tucked in at night. And nearly every night, Laura found herself heading to the kitchen after her kids were asleep and the house was quiet. Her husband worked in finance and he always went to bed early because he had to get up for the stock exchange, apparently very, very early. So nighttime was the only time that Laura had to herself. Well, in her case, it turned out that late night eating wasn't about boredom, as she thought. It was her way of, of carving out some me time, some Laura time. Throughout the day, she was so focused on fulfilling her responsibilities at work and caring for her kids, she had absolutely no time for herself. So eating became her way of taking a break and unwinding. Kind of the opposite of, of Hannah. Hannah filled, the, filled the, the, the void with food, and Laura used food to get her own time back. So, you know, food was not the problem. It was actually the solution to the problem. The problem was that Laura did not make time for self-care and relaxation. She took care of everybody in her life, and food took care of her. We came up with some strategies for Laura to make significant changes right away. She started taking little breaks throughout the day. She started listening to an audiobook, um, a fun one, not a podcast. The other thing was she always thought she had to make the most of every day. So if she was listening to something, it better be a podcast where she can learn something than like a, a fun fiction book, a novel, or, or just mind candy of some kind. Uh, she took it. She took walks. She just did what she liked a little bit a day. And she made sure she had that me time every single day, which allowed her to recharge by giving herself what she really needed. She broke her pattern of boredom eating for good. As you can see from these examples, we often think we're bored when we're actually empty, lonely, trying to distract ourselves from uncomfortable thoughts or emotions or needing some me time or whatever it is. For you, if you find yourself eating when bored, there is a reason. So the next time you're feeling bored, take a moment and try to figure out what is actually going on. What might be 
what 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 might you be feeling or thinking about if you dig a little deeper and again one common cause of boredom very very common is loneliness so let's talk a little bit about how to distinguish loneliness from boredom because it can sure feel the same and many of us feel lonely at some point in our lives. It's normal to feel that way occasionally. But if loneliness is a constant companion, it is tough to overcome. Loneliness can feel like emptiness. And then we symbolically fill it with, with food, like, like Hannah did. And again, we can turn to food so quickly, we bypass our true emotions or needs, and we label it boredom because that's less painful than calling it loneliness. So here are some ways to determine if it's loneliness or boredom. First, consider what are you eating? What your go-to food choice is when you're eating when bored can tell you a lot. The food we choose can offer clues as to what's going on inside. So if you eat foods that are filling, bread, pasta, pizza, cake, muffins, burgers, anything that kind of takes up space within, that points to loneliness since those types of foods are really filling, right? So binging on food that takes up space within us is an unconscious way of symbolically filling that inner void. We don't consciously think of it. We're just thinking, oh, I really want that you know, pizza, pasta, muffin, whatever. Um, but it's out of our awareness, out of our conscious awareness, but not out of operation. We're still doing it. But when we dig deep and we think, okay, I'm craving these kinds of foods, that points to, hmm, maybe I am feeling some kind of loneliness in my life. I need to look at that. So if those are the foods that you gravitate to when you're upset, the key to change is looking at the holes in your life the holes in your life and find new ways to fill them. Think about what's missing in your life. Do you, like Hannah, want more satisfying relationships with other people? Are you missing your special person, a partner? Are you feeling lonely in a friendship or in a romantic relationship? Maybe you're a member of a community where you don't fit in. It takes courage to consider this, but when you bravely look at what those holes in your life might be, you can begin creating meaningful change. It is easier to stay on a diet. It's true. It's easier to just think about what you are eating and not consider what is eating at you. The problem is you never change. You never evolve. By recognizing the true, true root issue, that's how you, you see it. And then you kind of deal with it. You yank it up. It's gone forever. And then binging or eating at, at, at night or eating when bored is something you used to do, not something you still do. Now, other people eat crunchy food when they're bored, like chips or pretzels, anything with a crunch. Foods that make us bite down and crunch, those are associated with forms of anger, like annoyance, frustration, irritation, rage. If those are your go-to foods when you're bored, it's important to find ways to express your emotions without eating and also without turning against yourself. Often we get mad at other people in our lives or situations or places where we might feel helpless or powerless, and we displace that anger onto ourselves. So instead of, oh, 
I'm so pissed off about this situation or that, it becomes, you know, oh, I can't believe I ate that. I suck. I have no willpower. I have no control. I'm a food addict. And then you're just beating yourself up, which, of course, leads to more food to escape your own mean voice or yet another diet, which leads to the diet binge cycle. And there you go again, rinse and repeat. We want to break that cycle for good. Creamy food like ice cream, that's connected with the need for comfort. And it's really important to find ways to comfort yourself with words instead of food. Think about how you would comfort a friend or a child, someone you love. If they are sad or upset or lonely, do you say, oh, I know just what to do. Let's get ice cream. I mean, maybe you do. If that's true, then keep listening. Uh, or do you say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm here for you. What can I do? Let's talk. You know, showing up for your friend and talking is more powerful than just handing them a bowl of ice cream. And you have to do that for yourself too. Learning to comfort yourself with words instead of with food. Now, what about chocolate or candy? Okay, consider if you need more sweetness in your life. Not the sweetness of sugar, but the sweetness you may be missing in life. Love, fulfillment, happiness. Now, this is what I call the food mood formula. And it only applies when you're eating to change the way you emotionally feel, like when you think you're bored. And it can help you identify the hidden reasons you're, you're eating uh, that can have nothing to do with actual boredom. Also, another way to distinguish whether you're bored or lonely, are you eating until it hurts, until you are in physical pain? Because loneliness can feel like physical emptiness. Loneliness can, can really hurt. That's why we talk about heartaches, right? If you're using food to fill that internal void or eating until it hurts, it's an unconscious, again, unconscious. You're not going, let me eat this and I will fill my internal void. No, you're just doing it. You're, you're on autopilot. Um, but you're converting the, the, the heartache of loneliness into a stomach ache, the heartache of loneliness into actual physical pain. After all, physical pain is easier to manage and get rid of than emotional pain. And we see this all the time in, in children. Like kids don't typically say, you know, I, I, I don't want to go to school because I didn't finish my homework and I'm afraid of getting in trouble. Mm. No, they say they have a stomach ache and they have to stay home from school. And they usually do have a stomach ache. Sometimes they just say they have one, but often they just feel so bad that the bad feeling becomes a bad, the bad emotion becomes like a really painful, actual physical sensation. A uh, quick story about my daughter, my youngest daughter, when she was eight years old, she started complaining that her tummy hurt. And I ruled out food poisoning and the stomach flu and all the usual suspects. And I finally realized that she was nervous about starting classes at a new dance academy. And she was worried about, about fitting in and, and being good enough in, at dance and making new friends. But she didn't tell me this in words. Instead, this anxiety expressed itself as a painful tummy the night before she was going to go to the new dance academy. 
And I knew that there was nothing physically wrong because talking through her anxieties actually stopped the pain. When she felt better emotionally, her her stomach pain also felt better. And the same thing will happen with you when you recognize and process your hidden painful truths. It's all about honoring your truth, your what you really feel, what you what what you're afraid to feel or think about even though it's painful. Once you do that and you can respond to yourself, express yourself, respond to yourself, guess what? You stop coping by eating. You stop distracting with food, numbing with food, all the things. And then binging is something that is in your rear view mirror or or eating when bored. It's something you used to do because now you know what it was really about and you have new ways of responding to yourself. Now, what do you do if you say, okay, I feel lonely, but it's 11 o'clock at night. I can't actually go make new friends. I can't call a friend. It's too late. I don't know what to do. Well, look, we all know what loneliness feels like. It is that aching, overwhelming feeling that we're all alone in the world. But what many of us don't realize is there is a big difference between loneliness and solitude. So the key is to turn loneliness into solitude in that moment or those times when people are not available to you. And solitude can be a powerful force in our lives. It can really be so helpful when we know how to use it correctly, when we know how to access it. And and solitude is often misunderstood as being the same thing as loneliness, and it's not. In fact, it's completely different. They are two totally different things. Loneliness is the state of being alone with yourself and feeling sad and isolated. It is painful. It is hard. It's terrible. It's a painful feeling of isolation. But solitude is a state of being alone without sadness, right? It's a state of being alone and feeling content. So solitude is also a choice an intentional decision to be alone in order to focus on your own thoughts and feelings. Solitude has some incredible benefits. It allows us to connect with ourselves in a really deep way. It leads to greater self-awareness and personal growth. It gives us space to reflect on our lives and figure out what we want for ourselves, for our future. And solitude is very important. It's a time where you quiet your mind, you regroup and you recharge. And you reconnect or connect maybe for the first time with your intuition and your inner voice. It's a time to relax and be peaceful. So there are a lot of benefits to be gained from spending time in solitude. And we need to learn to be alone with supportive and interested parts of ourselves. We need to be alone with parts of ourselves that can be supportive, encouraging, reassuring and calming. Loneliness is you're you're just alone and you feel horrible. Right? You're you're alone with sort of no good part of yourself. Those parts have bailed. Often they show up for other people but not for you. But when you can turn loneliness into solitude and really cultivate the ability to be alone in this way, you can enjoy your own company without feeling bored, without feeling uncomfortable. You feel good. 
And then you don't need to eat or use any other negative coping strategies, right? It's a good thing. Um, personally, one way that I find to, to step into a place of solitude is to spend time in nature. Nature, nature just has a way of quieting the mind, doesn't it? There's something about trees in the mountains, my favorite place, even though I live 20 minutes from Malibu Beach, <laughs> Santa Monica Beach. I don't know. The, this, the, the beach doesn't do it for me. It does it for a lot of people, just finding it very soothing. There's something about nature, the rhythms of nature, just feeling at one with nature that is very calming. It helps you feel connected to the world and therefore to yourself. And another way to cultivate uh, solitude is take up a, a hobby or an activity you can do on your own, like painting or hiking or walking around your neighborhood or walking your dog, whatever it is, doing some yoga, Pilates, whatever, learning kickboxing, just something where you are enjoying your own time. When you turn loneliness to solitude and cultivate meaningful and 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 fulfilling connections with other people which we're going to get to in in just a moment you'll never feel lonely again so really important you want dis to discover are you are you bored or are you lonely are you bored or are you feeling something that is uncomfortable are you bored or is there something you just don't want to think about or feel when you can look at hey I think I'm feeling this, or I think I'm feeling very alone right now, not actually bored. I feel empty. I feel alone. I feel sad. I feel depressed. I feel angry, whatever it is. When you can identify that, that's, that is success right there, because now you know what the true root problem is for your eating while bored. Now you've identified what's been hidden and you've brought it into the light. And that's amazing. That is a great first step. So we're going to take a break. And when uh, I come back, we're going to talk about loneliness and social anxiety and how to connect with other people and all kinds of good stuff so that you can uh, uh, stop eating when bored or lonely and really feel good in your life in a new way. I'll be back soon. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging? Ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change. With practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. 
Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking about how to stop eating when bored. We talked about, is it really boredom? Hmm, maybe not. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's loneliness. And I talked about how to distinguish between loneliness and boredom and how to turn loneliness into solitude. And now we're going to talk about loneliness and social anxiety. So one of the most common suggestions for how to deal with loneliness is to spend time with other people. The recommendation is often go to meetups, make plans with friends, meet new people, go on dates, join clubs, be social. But what if, what if the thought of being with other people makes you feel really anxious? Social anxiety, right? Now you're in a bind. You want to be with other people. You want to meet other people, but you're terrified to meet other people. That's social anxiety. So the first thing to do is figure out why other people are a source of anxiety. Maybe you think you have to be a certain way to be liked. I call this the Wizard of Oz syndrome. The Wizard of Oz believed he could only be respected and liked if he was a powerful and all-knowing presence. He did not imagine that he was good enough as he was, that the regular real guy behind the curtain could be liked and respected and accepted. So if you think you've got to hide certain aspects of yourself to fit in with others, Start by asking yourself what qualities about yourself that you're hiding from others and why. Consider how you came to believe that those qualities had to be hidden. And challenge the idea that you have to be different in some way to connect with others. So imagine you met someone else who embodies the qualities you don't like about yourself. For example, a lot of people tell me that they really hate the fact that they're more on the quiet side, or they're shy, as if this is just a terrible thing and they need to be different. And as a result, they're very performative out in the world and pretending to be not the shy person. So the not the shy person gets all the love and the real them that that they don't that ne- never actually shows up <laughs> goes without friends. So imagine you don't like that 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 you're shy. 
or you're introverted, however you want to put it. Now, imagine meeting a shy person. Take a moment to think about how you would respond to that person. Would you just not like them? Would you be like, oh, that person is shy. That person is quiet. That person seems introverted. Ugh. Would you judge them? Chances are, no. You just think, oh, that person's more on the shy side. And maybe you'd be kind and understanding and sympathetic. Just imagine that you are not the only person who has that response to people who are shy. And maybe other people will be equally as understanding toward you. Whether you think you have to hide your shyness or your boldness or whatever it is that you think is too much or not enough. Think about meeting someone who is the very thing that you are trying to hide. Would you really find it so appalling or might you have a different perspective? Now, I want to talk about why we often can't connect with people or are afraid to connect with people. Often it's about some fear of not fitting in. When we don't fit, when we don't feel like we fit in with our original group, our families, it's hard to imagine that we can fit into another group. So loneliness can be extremely difficult when there's no one to be there and, and help you feel better. And you don't feel like you can really show up as you because somehow you're supposed to be different. And even if you show up, you're not going to fit in. So the worst loneliness is to feel lonely when you are surrounded by people, but you don't feel a connection to them. Now, we don't choose the families we're born into, but we can choose our friends. And we can choose friends who are supportive, available, and fun. So here are some suggestions on how to connect with the right people, especially when you don't have a close family or you don't have a network of friends and you just you want to connect but you're 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 a little anxious about that. So start small. Just start small. One key to overcoming social anxiety is 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 just taking small manageable steps. Small manageable social interactions. You don't need to jump straight into some massive gathering or party or like, you know, public speaking. <laughs> you just start with little one-on-one conversations or you say hi to someone in, in, at the office or you you smile at someone as you're walking your dog or things like that. Just think baby steps because when you when you make that initial uh shift it, it starts to snowball. We don't want to put you in the deep end of the pool and expect you to swim. No. Start in the shallow end. Just take little steps into the water. You know how the water is always really cold when you, when you get in the, the pool? And then after you've been in it a bit, it feels good. Same with any change. At first, it feels, woo, I don't know about this. And then you get used to it. And then it gets easier. And then it feels nice. So start small. Just you know, practice saying a few things to people. Also, practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is a term that is used a lot. Here's what I, I mean by mindfulness. It's, it helps you stay present. It's a way of thinking that helps you stay present rather than getting caught up in anxious predictions about the future. 
by focusing on the here and now, you can really engage more genuinely in conversations and feel more comfortable. So to be mindful, you just like tune in first with your body. Just take note of your breath. Recognize the feel of your your feet on the ground. Um, listen to the the sounds around you. Use your senses to to create kind of a grounding feeling of I'm okay. I'm here and I'm now. That can keep you grounded in the present moment and decrease anxiety. And especially when you stay with what is and not what if. If you're thinking, oh my God, what if these people think I'm weird? That is fear about uh, the future that makes you feel anxious in the present. But if you say to yourself, I don't, I am not a mind reader. I don't know what these people are going to think about me, but I can think about what I think about them. So I'm going to stay with what is, which is I'm not a mind reader. I do not know what they're thinking. Um, All I know is I am meeting them and I'm going to see if I feel comfortable with them. So you're also going to be an, an observer rather than being under observation. Hmm. What do I think of them? Not what are they thinking of me, which puts you into instant, you know, social anxiety. Um, Also, use the power of preparation. If you're worried about those awkward silences that happen, or if you don't think you're going to know what to say, remember first, you're not responsible for a conversation. Actually takes two. But make a list of of potential conversation starters or things that you can talk about. If you have a few interesting questions or topics in your mind, that can ease your anxiety about those potential lulls in the conversation. And uh, you feel more prepared and also more interested. When When we're interested, hey, what do you think about this? And we're listening to somebody else. We don't feel so scrutinized and self-conscious. And again, remember, it takes two to have a conversation. The burden of a conversation is not solely upon you. Also, challenge those negative thoughts. Challenge them. You know what they are. Negative self-talk leads to anxiety. So recognize and challenge those thoughts. Ask yourself, are these thoughts realistic? Am I really responsible for the conversation? Is this person judging me? Do I have any evidence that this person is judging me? And most likely the answer, of course, is no. Just, hmm, I'm going to stay with what I know, not with what I am imagining. I am not psychic. (laughs) I don't know. And often, by the way, when we think we know what people are thinking and we read their minds, the mind that we are reading is often our own mean mind. When we think the worst of ourselves, We think other people are thinking our own thoughts about us, which, of course, makes you want to stay away from people and instead go eat ice cream. Ice cream doesn't judge. Ice cream won't betray you. It won't reject you. And when I say ice cream, I mean anything. Ice cream or any other food is predictable, reliable, and available, unlike people who can be unpredictable, unreliable, and unavailable. But just remember, you're checking out what do you think of them, not reading their minds and finding all kinds of terrible ideas about the the terrible things they're thinking. Um, 
So again, also be be that observer because by purposely turning your attention to the world, think eyes out, eyes out rather than eyes on you, which makes you feel like a big giant spotlight is just over you and you're frozen in the light. Ah! Um, when we think about what other people are are thinking of us and how they perceive us, that the, the 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 spotlight is on us, and we need to move that spotlight onto them. Instead of feeling like you're under the spotlight or under a microscope, think about what do you think of them. When you are less self conscious, it is easier to be around people and enjoy the experience. And then you can fill up with conversations, have fulfilling and satisfying conversations instead of symbolically filling up with something to eat. And um, being less self-conscious also directly impacts our relationship with food because eating alleviates um, uh, stress and anxiety momentarily by being an observer and reducing that focus on criticism, you get more comfortable. You don't need food for comfort or distraction. All right. So here are some other actions you can take to alleviate social anxiety and loneliness. And this is after you have really practiced and started to feel more comfortable with people and started to realize, okay, this is not so scary after all. The reality is easier than I thought. There are, there, there are some nice people here that I can connect with. I can be accepted. I can fit in all of those things. Then, yes, join a club or a group that that meets regularly of people that share your interests. It's it's a great way to meet other people who are like minded. Volunteering also, you you help other people or animals or whatever, and you meet new people. It's great because you you share a common interest in helping, and you know most of the people you meet volunteering are pretty nice people. I think. Um, you could take a class, take a class, community center, local college. Again, these are great ways to meet other people who share your interests or getting involved with, with church or synagogue or whatever your, whatever your religious community is. Even if it's an atheist organization, these groups are full of friendly people. They really are who are also looking to make connections. And if you're single, try online dating. That's how I met my husband 20, 21 years ago in November. Met him online. Would never, ever, 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 ever have met him in, re- in real life. Our paths would never have crossed. So try online dating. And there are lots of platforms out there that cater to all kinds of people. So you are sure to find someone who shares your interests and your values. And just get, in, get involved with things you like. When you have fulfilling activities in in your life, you're less reliant on food for fun. And if you're not sure what you like or what you you feel passionate about or you just don't know, then just take some time to think about what makes you happy. What makes you happy? It's startling and shocking how often when I ask this question, people just say, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's sad because you're you're distanced from yourself if you don't know what makes you happy. So take some time in solitude and consider what makes you happy. And once you figure it out, 
get get involved. Do, you know, if you love painting, go go do some painting. If you if you love volleyball, go take a volleyball class. If you love dogs, go to a dog meetup. Just it not only helps you fight off loneliness, it also makes you feel happier overall. And when you're happy, again, you don't need food for comfort or distraction. And also with connecting with other people online too. The internet is a great place to connect with people who share your interests. So online programs, social media groups, uh, you can get involved in, and chat with people from all over the world. Um, and it's a great way to connect, even meet new friends. When you meet your actual need, whether it is loneliness, time for yourself, expressing uncomfortable feelings, you stop using food for comfort or distraction. So if you're lonely, turn it to solitude, call a friend, join my Facebook community, Dr. Nina's Food for Thought community. We'd love to have you. People from all over the world, they're there. Um, and I, I'm happy to hear from you and support you on your journey. Because when you fill the void with connection, friendship, and love, you don't need food for that purpose. Um, overcoming social anxiety is a journey. And progress may be slow, but with patience, perseverance, and self-compassion, very important, self-compassion, you can just navigate those social interactions with greater ease and confidence, and then you're going to stop eating when you're bored because, oh, you're not really bored. You're actually lonely. And now you've resolved the loneliness. You're not using food. Now, here, here are just a couple of quick notes on boredom. Um, Sometimes we we just need a little distraction if we're bored. Uh, we need binging is a distraction. Eating is a distraction. But there are other distractions that can be helpful and healthier, especially when you, you know, cultivate it and do it a lot. Um, you know, if you read books that make you happy or watch a show that makes you happy. I, I know someone who every time she gets sad, she watches How I Met Your Mother because it makes her happy when she feels bored or restless or whatever it is. And she just can't figure out, well, what is it that I'm feeling? I don't know, but I just want to feel better. So she watches how I met your mother and she feels like she's part of the gang and for her it works. So, you know, watching a series, watching, reading books that make you happy, doing things you enjoy. Those are all ways of dealing with boredom as well. And last it's okay to be bored sometimes. And now I'm talking about real boredom, not uh, uh, loneliness or other feelings disguised as boredom. Deepak Chopra tells us that we are human beings, not human doings. Actually, I think the Dalai Lama said it first. Well, want to give credit where it's due. We are human beings, not human doings. And we live in a world where connectivity rules and we are constantly glued to our cell phones. We are glued to our devices. There's always something to do. So the idea of downtime and just being, it's becoming increasingly unfamiliar. And that's when we often label it as boredom. So try making peace with being a little bored, just a little bored, disconnect for a while, relax without having to occupy your mind. See what happens. See what where your mind goes. Um, if you can do that without feeling anxious about it, 
you might discover, hey, you know what? Maybe what I'm calling boredom is really just uh, I need to relax. I need to just be with myself without thinking about all the things I need to do. So if you find yourself eating when you're bored, consider if it is boredom or something else like loneliness, emptiness, anxiety, or some other state and cultivate the ability to enjoy solitude so you can be with yourself without needing a distraction. By creating a better relationship with ourselves and learning to be with ourselves in a peaceful way, we make peace with ourselves and by extension with food. So that is how to stop eating when you are bored. Um, I think I have a a little bit of time. I am going to answer a listener question. Um, So here's a question from LZ. I'll call that person Lizzie. (laughs) LZ. Um, They wrote, I want to lose weight. And everyone tells me to eat less and exercise more. I do my best. I just can't stick to that advice. What am I doing wrong? All right. So it's common advice to tell someone who wants to lose weight, well, just eat less and exercise more. Now, that may make sense. It does make sense. Of course it does. It's logical. But if you struggle with food, it is, it, it, it's not logical. It's psychological. This is not the solution. Binging is not logical. It's psychological. If it was, it was logical, and this applies to all things that we do that we don't want to do, but we do them anyway. We just think, this is not good for me. I should stop it. And then we would. That is not how we work. Not, you know, I, I, sh- I shouldn't, uh, this, this person I'm dating is clearly not uh, healthy for me. I will just stop it. You know, we just, we just don't work that way because we're not logical. We have, we're much more complicated than that. So keep this in mind. The experience, this is when it comes to, you know, the dieting advice, the experience of deprivation or the anticipation of deprivation only makes us want that thing more. So if you think you can't have pizza, ice cream, chocolate, whatever, you're going to crave it more. That causes the diet binge cycle. And sometimes also we, we turn suppressed emotions into physical discomfort like I was just talking about earlier with loneliness. If you eat until you're in physical pain, maybe you're converting emotional pain into physical pain. Um, and your emotions need your attention, not your condemnation. We can't, we can't positive think our, our feelings away. We can't ignore them or drop them or gratitude them away. And we cannot stuff them down or starve them away. We are conditioned in our culture to avoid feelings. When we experience something uncomfortable, we eat often for comfort or distraction. So consider, instead of focusing on what you're eating, focus on what's eating at you and consider what emotions you're trying to avoid and then find new ways of responding to yourself. So Lizzie, the next time you find yourself turning to food, remember it is for a reason. If you are turning to food, you're turning away from something else. And take a moment and and think about why. That's an essential step to breaking the cycle. Um, so if 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 you if 
if you're trying to eat less, you're just putting yourself into deprivation. You know, it's usually eating less of the things you like, which just makes you want it more. Um, And if you're exercising and you're doing something that you're you're doing it because you think you should, then it's just willpower and it's unpleasant and you don't want to do it. I remember uh, someone once said to me, you know, that they 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 he said he had to he made himself go walk five miles every day, but he hated it with a passion, but he knew he had to do it. And some days he 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 was lazy. This is him talking. He was lazy and he wouldn't do it. And I said, well, why would you do something you hate? You hate walking. You're walking five miles a day. That's pretty far. And yet you hate it. He's like, yeah, I hate it, but I know I'm supposed to do it. So what, what would you what would you like to do? Like if you could do anything that's considered exercise, he said, well, I'd like to play tennis, but you know, I can't, I'm supposed to walk. <laughs> so, so I said, tennis is exercise too. Go do it. Go play tennis. And he started playing tennis. And of course he didn't think of it as exercising. He thought of it as playing tennis and he couldn't wait to do it. So think about what it is that you are telling yourself you have to do in terms of exercise. If it is something that you dread and you hate it, but you're making yourself do it, then you're just using willpower. And it's an, and it's a, that only lasts so long. Plus, it's not a pleasant experience. But when you do something you really enjoy, you will love to do it. And then it won't feel like I've got to exercise. It'll feel like, Oh, I get to do this activity. It's awesome. I love it. What is the old saying about work? If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. If you if you love what you're doing to move your body, if you love what you what you're doing to work out, you'll never work out a day in your life. You'll just be you'll just be uh, doing the activity. So think about you know, instead of thinking about what you shouldn't eat, think about why you're eating it. It's not what you're eating that is the problem. It is what's eating at you. It's what's eating at you. Um, so these are some very important things to keep in mind that the thing that we think is the problem is not the problem. The thing that we think is the problem, eating while bored, eating, binging, whatever, what have you, it is the solution to the problem. The problem is something to do with your relationship with yourself or deprivation or something that's going on that eating is resolving. And when you dig down into those roots and you pull them up, guess what? The issue is gone forever, forever. That's why I believe in liberation, liberation, not recovery. Recovery is something we're always in. Liberation is forever. So Thank you so much for joining me here on The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. It really is possible to ditch dieting, stop thinking about food 24-7, and banish binging so you can get back to living your life while being healthy. I'm here every Thursday at noon Pacific on Voice America's Health and Wellness channel. And if you want a deeper dive into this topic and much more, be sure to get your copy of my best-selling book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. It is available in Amazon in all formats, including Audible, if you want me to read it to you. Stay curious, not critical, and I will see you next week. Bye for now. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 